Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening whenever you happen to be listening to this podcast. This is the Jayhawker Talker podcast, a podcast affiliated with the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. My name is Mark Van Sickle. Before we get rolling with today's episode, don't forget to download, subscribe, give it a five-star rating, and tell at least five friends who love the Jayhawks about this podcast because let's get into it. Let's go. Kansas basketball, Kansas football. Winning, winning, winning left and right. What an incredible week for Kansas athletics. And as you well know, Monday night, KU tipped off their basketball season with a dominant 99-56 win. We're going to get into that a little bit later in the podcast. But let's get started with your Jayhawks football team. A 28-21 win over the Iowa State Cyclones. Kansas number 19 in the nation now after that big win over Iowa State. An Iowa State team, by the way, who has surprised people this year. They were tied for first place 4-1 in the Big 12 before that game last week against the Jayhawks. If you didn't know, if you didn't know, Kansas had not won in Ames, Iowa since 2008. That's right. 15 years since their last win in Ames, Iowa over Iowa State. And two years ago, two years ago, when KU played at Iowa State, they lost by over 50 points. They lost by over 50 points just two years ago. That's what Lance Leipold and this Kansas team has done in two years to turn the program around, to go from a two-win team two years ago getting blown out by 50 points in Ames, Iowa, to winning six games last year, to now winning at least seven games this year. And as I said before the season, eight wins was the next mark that you had to get to for this season. And I said that their ceiling could be 10 wins, and people laughed at me. You can go back to the Heartland College Sports Facebook page where I wrote an article saying the pathway for Kansas to get to 10 wins. People in the comments were laughing me off of that Facebook page. And here we are in early November, and Kansas is 7-2 and overall, 4-2 and in Big 12 play. After a road win at Iowa State, 28 28- 21. And you look back through that game. Kansas was winning 14 to 3 at halftime, had a 21 to 3 lead at one point, and they got it started exactly how we wanted them to. On the ground with Devin Neal scoring a 6-yard touchdown run 8 minutes and 40 seconds into the game. And then in the second quarter, the turnover We said that this Kansas team needs to get turnovers. They did it last week, and they did it again this week. It was Melo Dotson once again with a 50-yard interception return for a touchdown. A pick six for Melo Dotson back-to-back weeks. KU gets up 14-0. Yep. Melo Dotson, your defensive player of the game, with his second pick six in back-to-back weeks. Then KU gets up again 21-3 in the third quarter. Late third quarter, early fourth quarter, Iowa State tries to make it a game. They cut the lead to 21-8 with eight minutes left in the game. 
And then what happens the very next play? KU gets the kickoff. Kneels the ball down. Get the ball at the 25-yard line. So you've got Kansas after being up 21-3. Iowa State comes back to cut it to 21-18. So KU just up by three points at this point. Here we go. Here we go. KU, very next play from their own 20-yard line. 80-yard touchdown pass from Jason Bean to Lawrence Arnold. (laughs) And that is it. That's the game. 7.50 left in the game. KU's leading 28-18. Iowa State tries to get one one more possession in. They get down into the red zone. They kick a field goal. KU's defense steps up when they need to. Iowa State makes a 29-yard field goal to cut the lead to 28-21, and that's it. KU gets the ball back, doesn't give it back to Iowa State. That's it. KU wins it 28-21 over Iowa State. And now what are we going to do? Now what's going to happen? We got to talk about Texas Tech coming to Lawrence, Kansas this week. Before we get into that, actually, I I, I got to give Jason Bean a shout out. I, I wrote this article on Jason Bean last week that you can always check out my articles over there at heartlandcollegesports.com. My latest article over there, uh, there might be a basketball article up now, but my latest football article up there at heartlandcollegesports.com, just search Kansas Jayhawks, you'll be able to find it. Jason Bean, talking about how he's been disrespected this year, talking about how people don't like him. People need to start respecting Jason Bean and the job he's done at Kansas. Because what else has he done? I mean, people get on him for throwing interceptions. I've done that on this podcast. But you look at what he's done and and Jason Bean and what he's done filling in for Jalen Daniels. And we don't know what's going on with Jalen Daniels. Jalen Daniels didn't even make the trip to Iowa. He didn't. Lance Leipold, head coach at Kansas, said he's staying positive. They're optimistic about what's going on. They didn't bring him on the trip because, well, the medical staff said that they didn't want him traveling on the bus. It was a bus trip. It wasn't a plane ride, so they didn't want Daniels riding on the bus, maybe the back potentially acting up again. The week before against Oklahoma in that big win, the one that Jason Bean started, the one that Jason Bean led the comeback on. Jalen Daniels was no uh, was on the sidelines, actually. He, he was given the okay to be on the sidelines and dressed out as the emergency quarterback. They didn't need him. Jason Bean went on and played the entire game against Oklahoma. Jalen Daniels probably going to be back on the sideline against Texas Tech. That's my guess. Don't have any confirmation on that, but that's the guess. You got Jason Bean coming through with a 14 for 23 performance, 257 yards with one passing touchdown, no interceptions. Incredible job by Jason Bean. And not only that, not only that, his leadership skills, everything else on and off the field, But he showed toughness this week. He got hit in the leg. It looked like a knee injury. He laid on the turf for quite a while. Third-string freshman quarterback Cole Ballard came into the game for one play. Handed the ball off while Bean was doing some drills on the sideline. Very next play, 
Bean rejoined the action. And Lance Leipold said he was worried about Bean after that hit, but Bean showed toughness, went back in there, played the rest of the game. And that's what you love about Jason Bean. He's available. He's there for you. He plays tough. He can run for touchdowns. He can pass for touchdowns. He can make you pay with his legs or his arm. And as long as he's not throwing interceptions and turning the ball over, he's a winning quarterback. And he's proven that this year. 7-2 and two on the season, 4-2 and two with Bean at quarterback. And now they move on to Texas Tech. 11 a.m. kickoff this Saturday, November 11th, at David Booth, Kansas Memorial Stadium. The booth is going to be packed. Another sold-out crowd expected this Saturday at the booth. TV, it's going to be on FS1. KU is an early three-and-a-half-point favorite this week. Last week, they were a three-point underdog at Texas or at Iowa State. This week, at home against Texas Tech, they are a three-and-a-half-point favorite. KU is 5-0 and at home this season. I expect that trend to continue this week, despite the history in the program. Because you got to throw away history at this point for Kansas. You see, th- you see stats like, oh, Kansas hasn't won at Iowa State since 2008. That doesn't matter. This is a different Kansas team with a different Kansas head coach. You look at the stats like Kansas hasn't beaten Texas Tech since 2019. The Red Raiders 9-1 in their last 10 games against KU, riding a three-game winning streak into this game. Texas Tech beat KU 43-28 last season in Lubbock. None of that matters. Your Kansas Jayhawks are going into this game as a three-and-a-half-point favorite as a top-20 team in the nation. KU's defense is going to be tested by the Red Raiders running back Taj Brooks. He's already rushed for over 1,000 yards, 5.4 yards per carry, seven rushing touchdowns. Texas Tech averages 173 yards on the ground per game. So KU's defense will have all they can handle. They have three receivers that have over 300 yards receiving. Two of them have four or more receiving touchdowns. So KU secondary is going to have to be up for the challenge, and I think they will be. I think they will be in this game. On Texas Tech's offensive side of the ball, they've got a freshman quarterback started the last five games after taking over for senior Tyler Show. He's uh, he's out for the season. Uh, he suffered a broken left fibula, but Morton has been in there for the last five games throwing for 978 yards and 10 touchdowns, only two interceptions. He's also run for three touchdowns. So this is an, a Texas Tech team that had uh, top 25 written all over him going into the season. Some injuries took place. Their season has not gone according to plan. But you've got a Kansas team that's riding hot. Back-to-back wins. They beat a top 10 Oklahoma team. They beat an Iowa State team who was 4-1 in conference, tied for first place in the Big 12, a team they hadn't beat in 15 years. And now they're going back to Lawrence to play at a sold-out crowd at the booth, 11 a.m. kickoff against Texas Tech. I can't wait for this game. Give me Kansas to win this one. And I'm going to have them cover that three and a half points. I think they're going to win this game by at least a touchdown, maybe more. Let's roll with them. Let's roll with the Jayhawks again. And another big 
win at the booth this week. Let's go. Let's get that eighth win this week before we invite Kansas State back to the booth in two weeks. And I'm going to be trying to go out to that game, by the way. I'm going to try to get out to the booth live in person for the last home game of the season, KUK State. I didn't want to look ahead too far to that game because I know that's what we're going to be focused on next week on the Jayhawker Talker podcast. So let's get the win against Texas Tech. Let's get to that eighth win of the season and see what we can do from there. All right. Now let's get into some Kansas basketball because you know what? KU tipped off on Monday night at home against North Carolina Central, a team that wasn't supposed to put up much of a fight against Kansas, and you know what? They didn't. Kansas, a sold-out crowd in Allen Fieldhouse. Of course, there was no mistaking who was the better team in this one. It was the Jayhawks. They ran away with it 99-56. Big win for Kansas at home in their uh, season opener, 1-0 on the season now. And they showed why they are the number one team in the nation. Favorites to win the Big 12. Uh, they're actually right now the favorites to win the national championship. KU has been seen to be a team that is the team to beat this year. And here's why. I'm going to go through some of the, the highlights of this game because we saw what will make this Kansas team special this year. They've got Hunter Dickinson from Michigan, uh, the transfer from Michigan, the seven foot two center, showed exactly why he was the number one recruit in the transfer portal this offseason. Dickinson scored seven points, had two rebounds, and one block in the first 90 seconds of the game. So that was just the first 90 seconds of his KU career. He's got seven points, two rebounds, one block, and he had two three-pointers in that time uh, frame as well. He didn't stop there. Dickinson finished the first half 6-for-7 from the field, including a perfect 3-for-3 from behind the arc. Finished the game with 21 points, 8 rebounds, and 5 assists on the day. And his versatility was on full display throughout the entirety of the game. And this is what Kansas head coach Bill Self talked about in the offseason, talking about how Hunter Dickinson can be potentially the best big man that he's ever had, and he's had a lot of them. His versatility was on full display, uh, passing, shooting, getting into the right spot at the right time, getting the timely rebounds, and he's primed for a huge season. He averaged 18 points and 8 rebounds last year, 21 points and 8 rebounds in the first game, plus 5 assists, just showing why Hunter Dickinson is a preseason All-American. Status looked well-deserved. After the first game. And I'll talk about this maybe here in a little bit. But uh, Hunter Dickinson also put me over in my uh, same game parlay I did on the Kansas Jayhawks. I know betting only legal in Kansas right now. It's kind of weird betting on college athletics. But here we are in 2023. That's what goes on around here. DraftKings had a nice. This is not a sponsored segment by the way. But DraftKings had a nice 64% boost on college uh, basketball opening night. Put it on my Kansas same game parlay. All I needed to have happen. All I needed to have happen during this game, if you look at it, was Hunter Dickinson to score 20 points. Kevin McCullough Jr. to score 15 points. KJ Adams Jr. to score 15 points. 
I also needed eight rebounds from Hunter Dickinson, five rebounds from Kevin McCullough Jr., five assists from Dewan Harris Jr. All those things hit $10 to win $223.20. Big win on opening night, not just for the Jayhawks, but for myself personally. But that's a that's a side story. We don't need to talk about that. Why did that bet hit? Because I've been paying close attention to these Jayhawks, and that's what I expected from these Jayhawks. They actually outperformed that. You had the returning three. You, of course, you had Hunter Dickinson have a great night, but you had the returning three. Who are the returning three? We've talked about it all offseason. The returning three, the three starters from last year, Dewan Harris Jr., K.J. Adams Jr., and Kevin McCuller Jr., all of them not juniors on the court. Kevin McCuller Jr. is actually a super senior, sixth year in college, but Dewan Harris, K.J. Adams, Kevin McCuller, all these guys put the rest of the country on notice after this first game. The returning three, that's what I like to call them this year. And Self knew that the uh, Bill Self knew that the success of this team would go as far as these three returning starters would take them. And in game one, we saw what this group of guys can do. Kevin McCuller Jr. led the team in scoring 22 points. That's not something that's different than last year. That's not something that we expected to see from Kevin McCuller Jr. last year. This year, we heard over the summer, he tested out the NBA waters. He went to the combine. He went to the NBA summer camps. They told, the scouts told Kevin McCuller Jr. he needed to go learn how to be a scorer and then to come back next year. So, of course, Bill Self's going to invite him back. Of, of course, Bill Self is going to have Kevin McCuller back on his team. They needed Kevin McCuller Jr., quite frankly, if they wanted to be a national title contender. Kevin McCuller Jr. comes back, and what does he do in his first game? He leads the team in scoring with 22 points. He goes from being a role player on offense to being a offensive-focused player in 2023. Before, he was, he was uh, one of the best defensive players in the Big 12, one of the best defensive players in the nation. He showed his defensive dominance the last couple of years. Big effort guy. <laughs> going after offensive rebounds, going after loose balls. He still has that part of his game in him, and now he's adding this offensive flavor. Last year, he'd have a game or two where he scores 20 points, but it wasn't something that he did regularly. And now this year, that's something that Bill Self is going to expect out of Kevin McCuller Jr. this year. 22 points, leading the team in scoring, first game out. Love to see that from Kevin McCuller Jr., now, if you go on the flip side, we're going to flip it and go to Dewan Harris Jr. Harris did something that I've never seen before in a game from a starting point guard on a team like Kansas, a team with national title aspirations, a team that's expected to win the Big 12 again. He went out there and got zero shots off. Yes, I'm going to say that again. He didn't, Harris didn't take a single shot for the Jayhawks in their dominating 99-56 win. Didn't take one shot. But what did he do? He led the team in assists with 10 assists on the game. He's going to be one of the best. He was last year and again this year. He's going to be one of the best facilitating point guards in America. 10 assists, 
no shots taken by Dewan Harris Jr. He added four rebounds and a steal as well. He's a really solid defender, and he's going to continue to do that throughout this year. So it's not unusual to see Harris uh, not being an offensive scoring type player. He takes the back seat when it comes to scoring. But not taking one single shot, not getting to the free throw line at all. Usually you see at least once or twice, maybe three times a game, Harris drives it to the lane and gets an easy layup. People are looking for the pass because he's always passing. He'll take a three. He'll take a couple threes a game. He'll drive to the lane and get fouled and make all his free throws. He's a really good free throw shooter. But in this game, no shots taken, 10 assists. That's the kind of guy. That's the kind of guy that Harris is. He's a team player. And it proved that the Jayhawks don't need him to be a scorer. It proved that Self can continue to play to Harris's strengths, watching him make incredible passes. He had several of those in the game on Monday night. Leads the team on and off the court. That is who Dewan Harris Jr. is. And then you go to K.J. Adams. He's the final one of the returning three. He all What did he do? All he did was be that ball of energy that we expected from him. He was that guy last year. He was that guy again to start the season this year. He had 12 points and five rebounds. That's about what I expect. I expect probably 10 points, five rebounds from him every game. And he had 12 points, five rebounds. His ability to shine as a role player continues to be a positive for this team. And you look at what Self did through the rest of the rotation. Eight-man rotation. That's all he used this game. Eight-man rotation until he emptied the bench and the walk-on players to close the game out. And let's look at some of these new players because we're going we're gonna to learn to know these guys very quickly. But you had freshman Elmarco Jackson who got the start. We were kind of wondering who was going to be the starter on this team. Was it going to be Elmarco Jackson? Was it going to be Nick Timberlake, the transfer? It was El Marco Jackson. He got the start. He got into some early t- foul trouble, so he got knocked out of the game kind of early in the first half, but he finished the game with eight points and five assists in 21 minutes. The senior transfer, we talked about him just a second ago, Nick Timberlake, first sub off the bench, came in when Jackson got into foul trouble. What did Nick Timberlake do off the bench? Oh, he just contributed 13 points, including three for four from behind the arc in 20 minutes off the bench. And then you got Parker Brown. Parker Brown, yes, former Jayhawk and current Denver Nugget and NBA champion, Christian Brown's brother who transferred in this year. He st- he has already stepped into the role as Hunter Dickinson's primary backup. So if Hunter Dickinson gets in foul trouble, if Hunter Dickinson needs a break, Parker Brown is right there, the six foot ten big man coming off the bench, and he is going to be a critical player off the bench this year for the Jayhawks. He's going to need to spell Hunter Dickinson. Dickinson might get into foul trouble every now and then. And Parker Brown is a great player to have off the bench. He played 20 minutes, finished with 10 points, 5 rebounds, and 3 assists. I'm excited about those seven, let alone this last guy, who we talked about on this podcast. One of the first... I think one of the first publications to talk about this guy. Earlier this summer, we talked about this guy, Johnny Furphy the eighth man in the rotation now for the Kansas Jayhawks, but he wasn't even supposed to commit to a team until 2024. 
He sped up the process. He did an early signing, and he joined the Jayhawks for this season. And this is just another brilliant addition by head coach Bill Self. Because while we talked about Johnny Furphy being a guy that could come over here from Australia, his uh, his recruiting was still open. So KU still needed to land him, let alone bring him in here early. KU got him, and KU brought him in for the 2023 season. The final piece to this rotation, this eight-man rotation, freshman guard from Australia, Johnny Furphy. Many people wondered if he would get into the mix early, and he did. He was dealing with some shin splints uh, throughout uh, camp in the last couple of weeks, but that, that didn't slow him down in this game. He got in there for 17 minutes, finished with six points, five rebounds, and two assists. He was two for four from beyond the arc. So we've got a lot of guys on this Jayhawk team that can shoot the three-pointer, and Bill Self loves seeing that on his team. So I I like what I saw in game one in a 99-56 blowout with that eight-man rotation. You had Hunter Dickinson coming in and showing why he was the top recruit in uh, the transfer portal. You saw the three returning starters from the Jayhawks, the returning three go out there and have a dominant performance, and then you had these role players. You had El Marco Jackson, who is the freshman starter on the team. You had Nick Timberlake, the super senior coming off the bench, a transfer. And then you have freshman Johnny Furphy from Australia. This is going to be a great team this year. That's why they're ranked number one in the nation. That's why they're favored to win the Big 12. And then in these type of games, you also love to see the walk-ons come off the bench. You got to see team former team manager Patrick Cassidy play five minutes in this game. That's an incredible story. I wrote a story on this guy last summer, Patrick Cassidy, the former Kansas basketball manager, now a member of the Kansas Jayhawks basketball team as a walk-on player, and he got in there for five minutes of the game in a 99-56 blowout. Hopefully we'll be able to see that this Friday night, November 10th, 7 p.m., KU hosting Manhattan over there at Allen Fieldhouse for their second game of the season, second home game of the season as well. I want to see more walk-on playing time. I want to see uh, the KU starters just have another great game and have another big blowout uh, for the second game of the season. Again, it's this Friday, November 10th, 7 p.m. at Allen Fieldhouse. The Jayhawks are going to host Manhattan, who won a 61-59 thriller to open their season over Bryant on Monday night while KU was dominating North Carolina Central. Wouldn't surprise me at all to see another dominating victory for the Jayhawks this week to prove once again why they are the number one team in the nation. All right, that does it for this episode uh, of the Jayhawker Talker podcast. Of course, next week we'll talk about KU's hopefully big win over Texas Tech, talk more about Kansas basketball, hopefully another big win over Manhattan, We're going to be covering it all next week on the Jayhawker Talker podcast, plus a preview, a look ahead to the Sunflower Showdown, Kansas hosting Kansas State in a couple of weeks on November 18th. Cannot wait for that game. All right, that's it. You can get at me on Twitter, at Jayhawker Talker. We can keep the conversation going there. Don't forget to download, subscribe, give this uh, Jayhawker Talker podcast a five-star review. Pass this podcast along to five of your friends who love the Jayhawks. And, of course, you can check out my latest article over there at heartlandcollegesports.com. Till next time, this is Mark Van Sickle for the Jayhawker Talker Podcast. 
Rock Chalk, Jayhawk.